It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Drops the throw, steps up, floats a bomb up the right seam, looking for Anderson. He's got it. They're not going to catch him. He's going to go the distance. Touchdown. Sam Darnold dials it up to Robbie Anderson. 92 yards. Bell into the middle of that line, and it's a touchdown. Big return for Crowder, 85 yards. Pass thrown, there was contact with the quarterback, and it's incomplete. They got pressure on Prescott. It was Adams who came blitzing in. He'll hit immediately when he got the handoff. You know that's <laughs> the Q-inator. Oh my gosh. Listen, thank you. From the TOJ Digital Studios, this is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at PlayLikeAJet1. And it is time for the mailbag. So for that, we bring in the owner, the operator, the lead reporter, the whole shebang over at JetsInsider.com. And of course, above all that, a very big deal, Mr. Chris Nimbly. Chris, let's jump right into the mailbag. And we will start with this because I think it's an interesting topic. Michael Palace of the Jet Up Bleeding Green podcast initially brought this up. He said, if the Jets had fired Gase, would they have considered making Brant Boyer the interim head coach as opposed to Greg Williams? And I said, probably not. And then the topic got a little broader because we started discussing whether or not Brant Boyer could have head coach potential and whether or not the Jets might consider him if, say, they were to fire Adam Gase at the end of next season because of how great a job Brant Boyer has done. I don't know that they would, but I think that they should because... I know a lot of people don't look at special teams coaches as potential head coaches, but Brant Boyer has done a fantastic job leading that unit. Look at all of the players that he's developed and molded for special teams. On top of that, he's very well respected. Everybody knows how well he knows the subject matter. And on top of that, there is precedent for this because remember, before John Harbaugh took over as head coach of the Baltimore Ravens, he was special teams coordinator and defensive backs coach for the Eagles for a about a decade or so with Andy Reid in Philadelphia. So I think that Brant Boyer merits real consideration as a head coach, if not by the Jets, then by somebody else. I have a hunch that if the Jets were to get rid of Gase at the end of next year, they would probably go with a splashier hire or at least attempt to. But I think that Brant Boyer is somebody that we should keep our eye on because I really do believe that he has a chance to be a pretty good head coach in the NFL if that's what he wants to do because remember sometimes these guys just love sticking to whatever it is that they're doing it's their specialty and they don't want to move on up maybe Brant Boyer wants to become a head coach maybe he doesn't but I think if he does he definitely merits consideration yeah I don't I don't think that the Jets would be looking at him like real hard and really considering him in that situation um, like you said, I do believe that they would try to make more of a splash if they tried to make a move now, which I don't believe that they're going to do anyway. Um, but just in general, I, I've been talking about this for a while. I'm not the only one. Um, I'm a fan of the idea of hiring a special teams coach as your head coach. I'm also a fan of just hiring kind of like your head coach to just kind of be like a spokesman of the team, an overseer of the team. Um, now, with with my plan to do this, it requires spending a lot of money on your offensive coordinator and your defensive coordinator as well. So you get a special teams coach 
to, at, you know, the special teams coach knows players throughout the roster on both sides of the ball, offense and defense. He, he, he has a good familiarity with a large chunk of the roster. Um, he can lead. He can dip his toe in and out. Uh, special teams isn't something that's, like, going to consume so much time that he can't do that. But it's also not like a defensive coordinator or offensive coordinator where you kind of, if you ask them to become a head coach, you're kind of having them take away from what they do best. And then if you could get that special teams coach and you could pay an offensive coordinator head coach money, and then you could pay a Greg Williams head coach money and just be like, here, go and you handle the defense and you handle the offense. And I'll just kind of oversee everything. I will deal with the media. I will talk to the players. I will deal with them all individually, one-on-one basis consistently. I just think that that's a really good setup. Uh, Now, the downside of that is you get a really good coordinator and then they uh, end up trying to leave for uh, another job. But that's why I'm talking about paying them enough money if you're paying them head coach money, maybe they'd be more inclined to say, you know what, I'm really good at being a coordinator. Let me just stay here and rake in that money. Um, so I'm a proponent of that uh, that uh, thinking process in general. Uh, I think Brent Boyer is probably a little bit away from getting that type of opportunity. Um, and I don't, I don't think that a lot of teams are going to be thinking that way. But I do think there will be a time in the not too distant in the future, just a couple of years where maybe teams will start looking at that. And I just think that's a really smart way to go about it instead of just having, just plucking the hot coordinator uh, and just having them try to figure it, learn everything else on the fly. There's just so much that goes into it. And I, I just think it, it can be work really well for a special teams coordinator. It just seems to make a lot of sense to me. Especially since we have that precedent that I talked about with John Harbaugh, you would think that people would look at that and see that John Harbaugh has been one of the best coaches in the NFL since he's gotten the job with the Ravens and want to think about copying that formula. That doesn't mean that you necessarily have to hire a special teams coach just because of Harbaugh, but to me, it does mean that you should at least start thinking about it. It's kind of the same way how Russell Wilson opened up the door for the shorter quarterbacks in the NFL because people saw that you could have an elite passer at five foot ten. I think that that's what should have happened with John Harbaugh. But remember, these things happen in bunches. So all it's going to take is one other team to open the door to a special teams coach. And then if it works out, you will start to see some more teams following suit. As we always say, Chris, it's a copycat league, right? Yes, absolutely. Next question comes in from our man, Peter J. Dillard. He says, gentlemen and gangsters, my question is, how do you see the draft playing out? Douglas has repeatedly stated the importance of the trenches. Historically, Gase has ignored the offensive line. I think this could be very interesting. As far as a gift for Jets fans, it's unanimous. Give the usurper a pink slip. (laughs) (laughs) I'm with you, Chris, by the way. Peter, no matter what happens to Adam Gase, never, ever stop calling him the usurper because I enjoy that way too much. So I think 
that Joe Douglas is going to make offensive line priority one, two, and three this offseason. I think he's going to start with free agency. And I listed a couple of names, and there are a few more. I know a few people threw out guys like Joe Thune, so he's certainly a possibility if he shakes free. Jermaine Effetti, the offensive lineman from the Seattle Seahawks, he's really improved this year, so he's a possibility if he makes it to free agency. Jack Conklin, who a couple of years ago looked like there was no way he would ever make to free agency, but then he battled injuries they declined his fifth year option he's played a lot better this year and so now he could make it to the open market I assume the Titans are going to try and lock him up before then but they may not be able to do it Brandon Scherf's another one he's about to go on IR with surgery and if it wasn't for all the injuries there's no way that he wouldn't have been locked down by now so again we talk about free agency the reason why these guys are available is because there's some sort of defect there that keeps them from getting signed and locked up early or franchise tagged so Scherf from the Redskins is another one that's a possibility and then of course Anthony Costanzo the offensive tackle from the Colts I would assume that with all the cap space that they have and with Chris Ballard putting a premium on offensive linemen that he's going to find a way to keep Costanzo, whether it's by franchise tagging him or working at a long-term deal. But those are a couple of names that I expect Douglas to chase. And I think that for as much as he would love to get somebody like Yannick Ngakwe if he becomes available or Byron Jones if he becomes available, Douglas is going to make the offensive line his number one priority. And I think that it's going to be a lot like what we saw over the three years that Eric Mangini was here. First, you saw the two first-round picks invested in offensive linemen. And then two years later, you saw Damian Woody and Alan Fanica brought in in free agency. It may be sped up. You could see two guys picked in the first and second round or first and third or whatever combination, and you could see two reasonably high-profile offensive linemen brought in here. That's one thing that I did like about the Ryan Khalil thing, Chris. For as much as it didn't work out, the fact that Joe Douglas was able to go and get him to come out of retirement when rumor has it that there were other teams that had shown interest and he let them know I'm not coming out of retirement and then Douglas really put on the full court press and got him here, perhaps he has a sales pitch for his fellow offensive linemen that he can use to go and get some of these guys that are free agents. So I think that what Joe Douglas does in the draft is going to partially depend on what he does in free agency. If he's able to say land Scherf and Conklin, maybe he's a little more likely to draft somebody other than an offensive lineman with that first round pick if he doesn't maybe he leans even more heavily towards an offensive lineman but I do think that regardless if there's an offensive lineman that he really likes it's on the board when he's picking he'll take him so Peter I know you're always very concerned about the offensive line I guess what I'm really telling you is whether it's free agency or the draft Joe Douglas is going to really work hard to fix this offensive line yeah I I agree with that and um you know, obviously, we're a long way away from the draft. Uh, long, we don't still don't know where they're picking, who's going to get picked ahead of them, and what they're going to do in free agency. But I do feel pretty comfortable right now saying that, assuming they keep their pick and uh, make the selection where it is at, I do feel pretty comfortable saying that it's probably going to be either an offensive lineman or one of those receivers. So, you know, obviously they're not going to be picking high enough for Chase Young. Whether it'll be an offensive lineman depends on who goes or who's already off the board and how Joe Douglas feels about the available offensive linemen. And then also factor in what they've done in free agency. Like you said, if, if they go out and they get two offensive linemen, then maybe he'd be more willing to do it. 
but I just don't know if where they're picking, if there's going to be an offensive lineman at this stage, I don't know if there's going to be an offensive lineman who he has graded high enough in comparison to a wide receivers to take it. But I just think one of those two positions are going to be the most logical uh, uh, choice for him. The way the board's going to fall, again, don't know how, but I just feel like that would be the most plausible explanation that that one of those two spots will go. I'd lean towards offensive line, but uh, the thing is that I don't have confidence that the ones who might be there at the, you know, the seven spot or whatever is, is going to be nearly as close to a sure thing as I am uh, confidence wise about Jerry Judy or CD lamb being a sure thing. So that's giving me that little wiggle room there, but I do expect Joe Douglas to absolutely focus his attention on the offensive line to try to do some through the free agency, but Joe Douglas is not going to do the McCagnan uh, mistake where he just tries to rebuild it every year through free agency and then ignore it in the draft. Uh, Joe Douglas will look to supplement the offensive line through free agency, but he will look to build the bulk of it through the draft. Um, This line is in such bad shape that he knows he can't do it all through the draft. So he's going to have to supplement some of it in free agency now. But that is the top priority on his list. Now, again, it doesn't mean that he's going to force an offensive line pick at uh, in the first round if there's not somebody he's absolutely in love with. But uh, he he will I, – I'd be shocked if he doesn't come away from the draft with at least two uh, offensive linemen in, in the early rounds and, and probably one or two in the later rounds as well. While sports can bring us so much joy, it can also bring us a lot of unwanted stress. And that stress can make it difficult to concentrate, relax, and get decent sleep. Sunday Scaries was launched in 2017 by two best friends and business partners, Bo Schmidt and Mike Sill. They operated a full-service bar with 50 employees and were always exhausted. They tried all kinds of products, but they didn't work. Then they started experimenting with CBD. They loved the effects and regained control of their days and nights, but they wanted better CBD products. So what they did for themselves was specially formulate CBD gummies with vitamins D3 and B12 that were super consumable, easy to take on the go, and effective. Long story short, their specially formulated CBD products and vitamins helped relieve the overwhelming angst they felt on a daily basis. So in July 2017, they named the company Sunday Scaries and began sharing their products with friends and launched their online store at sundayscaries.com. With tens of thousands of customers, monthly subscribers, and a 100% money-back guarantee, Sunday Scaries has always been on a mission to transform a worrisome nation into a chill one. And right now, we have a bonus for you. Get 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Again, 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Hey guys, this is Greg Peterson, host of the podcast Hooping with Hoops. Despite the fact that college basketball is in the offseason, it's never too early to get a jump start on taking a look at these teams because there is now 357 of them for the upcoming 2020-2021 college basketball season. I'm going to give you guys a deep dive on every last one of them, keep up with all the transfers in college basketball, and so much more. You are able to subscribe to Hooping with Hoops on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. Play like a jet. Play like a jet.
Next question comes in from Sean Stalker. He says, Scott and the very big deal, Chris Nimbley. When executed properly, is the gay system some kind of masterful cheat code that no one can stop? I'm thinking it must be because he's unwilling to adjust it to meet the talents of a Hall of Fame running back, his young quarterback, or when the opposing team counters it in a game. It is really weird how Gase seems so inflexible to changing up his system to the talents of what he has on the team. And you heard Manish talk about how right after Gase got Albert Wilson, who ironically ended up catching on and doing really well in Gase's system and becoming the only player that Gase had during his time in Miami to speak up positively about Adam Gase. But Wilson wasn't catching on to the system right away, and so Gase demanded that they trade him right after signing him. It really is odd, and to me, Chris, this is something that you really don't want to see out of a head coach because the best coaches are the ones that adapt to the talent around them. As we've talked about before with Bill Belichick, don't tell me what a player can't do. Tell me what he can do, and then I'll make the most out of what he can do. It reminds me also of the famous Bill Watts story about the junkyard dog where he said, I don't want to know about this guy's weaknesses. Tell me his strengths so that we can build around them. I don't think there's any system that should supersede somebody's talent. So if there's a system that isn't getting the most out of a player like Le'Veon Bell, you got to play with the system so that you find a way to get the most out of Le'Veon Bell. I don't like the rigid nature of how Adam Gase does this. I think that's one of his biggest downfalls, and it shows why there's so many questions about him as a leader. So no, I don't think it's a masterful cheat code. And yes, I do think that the fact that he operates this way is a major detriment. There was a masterful cheat code with his system. That was Peyton Manning. <laughs> right, right. That Peyton Manning was the cheat code. And when you take Peyton Manning away, it just becomes a system that is you, – you see what it is. Um, and uh, Sam Darnold is not Peyton Manning. And I don't just mean, you know, right now he's not nearly what Peyton Manning was. I mean they are different quarterbacks. They have different styles and different strengths. Um, obviously he's not uh, anywhere on Peyton's level yet either, but even if he was, his, his system still wouldn't make sense for Sam Darnold. Um, uh, this is, you know, this is way beyond an Adam Gase thing. This is a thing that frankly, m way more coaches, uh, than not in the NFL stubbornly cling to, mm -hmm. they cling to their system and what they like to do. And it doesn't matter who the players they have. They might try to get players to fit their system, but too many coaches are not ever looking to build the system around the players. They're trying to force the square peg in the round hole and trying to make players adapt to their system. You, you have to build your system around the players. It's what Bill Belichick does better than everybody else. Um, you can do a little bit of when, when you go into three agency in the draft, it's one thing to go ahead and grab people that you, you think fit in your system. But once you have the roster that you have, you have to figure out a way to maximize the talent on that roster. And if that, the best way to do that is by changing your quote unquote system, then you have to do it. You can't just keep stubbornly trying to force them into doing things your way. 
And we saw that during that three-game winning streak stretch, how the offense changed. And then all of a sudden it went back to him trying to force uh, Darnold to stay in the pocket more. And it just doesn't make sense. You have to adjust and you have to adapt to the players you have. It doesn't matter how great a system you have if the players don't fit it. And you have to build around them. Uh, Gay's stubborn. He's He's stubbornly done this forever. The cheat code was Peyton Manning, obviously. I'll say it again. But, yeah, he he needs to be able to adapt. He needs to be more willing to adapt. Coaching is important. Scheming is important. But coaches and schemes don't win championships. Players do. And that's why when everybody talks about the Patriot way, what the Patriot way really is, is the ability to take players that other teams couldn't figure out how to use and use them properly. You want examples? How about Kyle Van Oy? There's a guy that washed out, gets to the Patriots, and now he's been a force every single year that he's been there. Jamie Collins, great player for the Patriots, right? Goes to the Browns, takes a huge step back, comes back to the Patriots. All of a sudden, he looks like a pro bowler again. So that's really the trick there with the Patriots. And as you said, Chris, this goes beyond Adam Gase. There are a lot of stubborn coaches out there who only want to do things their way and decide that instead of trying to bend their system to a player's talents, they are better off trying to get rid of that player or downplaying that player and getting him out. We even saw this with Darrell Revis. Everybody knows that Darrell Revis is a man-on-man cover guy, and look at what Greg Schiano tried to do with him in Tampa Bay, Try to put him in his zone. Why would you even go out and get Darrell Revis if you're going to do that with him? So there are so many stubborn coaches in the NFL. Gase is one of many, but he happens to be a pretty egregious example. Hey guys, Greg Peterson here with the Baseball Betting Podcast. As we know, the MLB season is back in our lives. It's going to be a 60-game sprint, unlike anything that we've ever seen before, and I'm going to be giving you picks every single day, seven days a week with Major League Baseball. We're also going to be keeping up with the KBO as well. If you like baseball and you like being able to make some money, subscribe to the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. Next question comes in from John. He says, guys, I want to make the trip up to Buffalo this weekend to go see the Jets and Bills. It's my last chance to see Sam Darnold and this team on the field until preseason in August. So I want to take advantage of it. Figure I can probably get cheap tickets because of the fact that the Bills have already clinched and the Jets are playing for nothing more than pride. What's the best way to get tickets? Easy. Download the Vivid Seats mobile app right now and enter the promo code OVERTIME. You'll get yourself up to 100 bucks off on your very first purchase. You can use that code to go see the Jets and Bills. You'll get yourself a sweet deal on tickets, or you can get yourself tickets for something else, a concert, a wrestling match, a boxing match, a basketball game, a hockey game. Whatever it is you want to buy tickets to, you can use that promo code. So download the Vivid Seats mobile app right now, use the promo code OVERTIME, and you'll get yourself up to 100 bucks off on your very first purchase. Next question comes in from Michael Christopher. He says, according to Mike Lombardi, Adam Gase really wanted the Browns job this offseason and Peyton Manning called Haslam, but Haslam didn't even want to give Gase an interview. What is Peyton Manning saying to these owners about Gase? And why don't we ever get a breakdown from Peyton about what makes Gase so special to him? Because clearly he's the only one that sees this. Peyton hasn't said anything when Dungy Caldwell or Fox were looking for jobs. So why Gase and why hasn't anyone interviewed Peyton about this? Also, will Mack and Heimerdinger get jobs after this upcoming season? 
So let's start with the whole thing with the Browns and Peyton Manning calling on behalf of Gase. I'm not surprised at all that Gase won in the Browns job because that's a loaded roster and he really liked Baker Mayfield coming out of Oklahoma. So that would have been a perfect job for him, at least in his mind, because he probably felt like he could walk right in there and compete right away. As we've seen, it was a little harder than that. And Freddie Kitchens has showed us that if you have incompetent coaching, then maybe all this talent on paper doesn't amount to what you think it amounts to. But as far as the Peyton Manning end of this, obviously I can't speak for Peyton Manning. I can only offer an educated guess. My educated guess is that he was perfect for what Peyton Manning was looking for in an offensive coordinator because he's a workhorse. He was somebody whose system fit exactly what Peyton Manning wanted to do and as you said there's that cheat code Chris he was willing to match Peyton Manning tit for tat in terms of meetings and being able to go over plays and all of these things so I think that he worked really well with Peyton Manning because the two of them are of the same mindset but as you pointed out Chris and as has been pointed out many times just because you're a perfect fit with Peyton Manning doesn't mean that you will be a successful head coach in fact as we're now seeing, it seems like there's a good chance of the opposite. And this is the exact same reason why when people call him the quarterback whisper, it's a little bit misleading because other than Peyton Manning, you'd have to show me the quarterbacks that he really developed. Everybody tried to tout the Tannehill example, but he's over there in Tennessee right now with a first-year offensive coordinator lighting up the league and playing the best football he's ever played. So I think that's your answer as to why Peyton Manning likes him so much and why many others on the outside looking in don't quite see it the way that Peyton does. And I do agree with you, by the way, Michael. I would love to see Peyton Manning ask questions about this because as far as I can tell, either reporters haven't been interested enough to ask or he just hasn't been willing to answer those questions. As far as Heimerdinger and McCagnin, I think it's certainly possible. Maybe McCagnin goes back to being an area scout somewhere. Same thing with Heimerdinger, but neither one of them is going to get anywhere near the post that they had with the Jets, at least not until they work their way back up, if they're able to do that. Yeah, okay, so with Peyton and Gase, um, it, it's, it's just like any type of relationship. You know, there's obviously there's no such thing as a perfect person or like for a perfect girl, a woman for me, or me being a perfect guy for the, that woman uh, or a perfect person, but you can be kind of perfect for each other. And Gase's system is kind of perfect for what Peyton Manning likes and what Peyton Manning does. And then on top of that, and this is where the cheat code comes in, is Peyton's IQ was so incredibly high, his football IQ was so off the charts that he, he could be sitting there, they call the play, he looks at the defense, and then he can immediately see if they need to change something, if he needs mm-hmm. to call an audible hot route. Sam Darnold is nowhere near that yet. Uh, he, he is light years away from being able to do – what you know whatever year that that was where you know the his last great year where he broke all the records he's far away from being able to dissect defenses like that and that's completely understandable that's how uh, how it should be no one can realistically expect sam darnold's football iq and being able to dissect defenses to be anywhere near peyton manning's at the end of his career that would be an impossible task that would be absurd um so I just think it was that was just kind of a perfect marriage for them. And then on top of that, I've talked about this a lot since uh, training camp. Um, it, it's real easy to see how people 
like Adam Gase, how they become fans of Adam Gase, the person. He's he is a charismatic guy. He's very he's funny. He's he talking to you. You can understand why people like him. So I think that's probably what it is. It's just a perfect storm. They wanted the same type of offense, the same type of system, and it just worked that way. And Gase's personality is somebody that uh, Peyton Manning really likes, and they were able to relate really well. So they got along really well. And then Peyton Manning probably takes that and is like, oh, he got me. He understood how to communicate with me. So he'll be able to understand how to communicate with the next guy. Well, that's not how this works. Everybody – I know how to communicate with some people extremely well. And there's other people I've known for like 20 years that I'm like, I still don't know how to like really communicate with you. Like to really get something across to you. I, we still don't know how to do that. Um, everybody is different. So they, I just think their personalities matched, meshed and their system and their, what they wanted to do meshed. And again, this is Gase trying to just stubbornly, uh, slam the, the square peg into the round hole and not being willing to adapt more. So I, I really think that's what it is. Uh, it's a good question about why no one really grills him and presses him on it. I think part of the reason is, is it's not like Peyton Manning does a lot of press stuff. His stuff gets out there that like he might want out, but I certainly have no idea how I could possibly get a hold of Peyton Manning to talk to him. He's he's not going to talk to me, so I can't ask him these questions. But I, I generally think that's what it is. Um, as far as Heimendinger and McCagnan, I don't see McCagnan. Um, like you said, maybe he could work his way back in his scenario scout. I don't know if he'd even want to. Heimendinger will get another shot at some point. He's got some family lines in there. He'll He'll get another shot somewhere. Again, like you said, not as high up and the Jets at least to start, but he'll get a start. He'll get a chance somewhere to do something again relatively soon. If you really want to get a hold of Peyton Manning, Chris, it's simple. Just fly to Colorado and go to a Papa John's. He owns a bunch of them out there. He might be there at some point. Yeah, I'm, I've, I've been to Papa John's. I'll pass on that. <laughs> we can argue over New York and New Jersey pizza all day, but one thing we will 100% agree on, Papa John's, Domino's, Little Caesars, Pizza Hut, no. Yeah, I'm, I, I've said this again. I'm good with Domino's. I'm cool with it. You just have to kind of understand that really it's kind of just like a cheesy bread. Um, and especially if you're not in the New York, New Jersey area, I know a lot of people in this area like to uh, clown and slam people for eating all that other stuff. Well, if you live in Nebraska, I'm certainly not going to get on you about eating Domino's. Um, if you if you're around here in New York and New Jersey, and you're like, I want pizza, and you go to Domino's, I'm going to kind of roll my eyes at you. But if you're in the mood for some more cheesy bread type of stuff, then go ahead and get some Domino's. I'm good with it. The other stuff though, the Little Caesars Pizza and Little Papa John's, you keep that throw it in the trash i don't care do whatever you want i'm fine with it if you live somewhere else outside of the new york new jersey area because you won't have better options but 
I think it's really only for people that are lazy and don't want to cook a frozen pizza because that's essentially what those brands of pizza are. Just buy a DiGiorno at that point, throw it in the oven, and it'll be just as good. It'll probably cost you less money. Next question comes in from Johnny Brascioli. He says, the Ravens have done an unbelievable job of building a team around Lamar Jackson. What does a team built around Sam Darnold's strengths look like? What type of players do you think would bring the best out of him? So I think first and foremost, you need a strong offensive line. Sam Darnold's skill set is somewhat similar to that of Andrew Luck, and we saw what happened in Indianapolis when Luck was behind that inferior line for so long. If you get a strong offensive line, that helps. Now, it's good that Sam Darnold can move in and out, and as we've seen, the number of quarterback hits that Sam Darnold has sustained is surprisingly low for somebody with such a bad offensive line who's been under pressure so much, and that is because he's been able to move in and out of the pocket but if you can get offensive linemen that can give him much more time where he doesn't have to rush throws Michael Nania has broken this down a lot of the times where Sam Darnold wasn't able to hook up with somebody like Robbie Anderson downfield it's because he was rushed to get rid of the ball quicker and so he had to go to either a safer option or try to run it you give him more time and he can make those daring throws down the field to guys like Robbie Anderson I think as far as receivers go you want guys with speed and you want guys that can make plays after the catch so this is where I do like what Gase does because he loves these guys that can get out in space and get yards after the catch. I think if Darnold can hit guys on these routes and then they can take it for a good distance after, Jamison Crowder being a good example, those are guys that you certainly want in the system. But ultimately, a team built around Sam Darnold's talent is giving him an offensive line that can give him the time that he needs and giving him the receiver weapons that he needs to make plays. It's really that simple. Yeah, and... Aside from the offensive line, because obviously that has to be completely rebuilt. Um, I don't if if they keep Robbie, I don't think they're far off from having exactly what they need for Darnold weapons wise. If you can get a Jerry Judy or a CD Lamb, I I think they could really use a you know Jerry Judy, a big uh, bodied receiver who you can kind of throw the ball up to and he can go get it. Uh, they could use somebody on the outside like that. Um, C.D. Lamb, after the catch to everything he can do, it'd be – you put him and Robbie with Jamison Crowder inside, and then you have Herndon coming back and Ryan Griffin as the second tight end, and then you have, you know, Le'Veon Bell if he comes back or you get another running back that they, you can also use in the passing game. I that's a pretty damn good uh, weapons group for Sam Darnold. So I don't think they're that far off weapons wise. I really think they're just like one uh, top notch receiver away or uh, two really, really good receivers away from the weapons groups being up. But again, that's if they keep Robbie Anderson, if they don't keep Robbie Anderson, then you have to fill that spot. And then all of a sudden, you're not going to have someone that defenses have to worry about taking the top off the defense, which loosens everything up for everybody else. So that will just kind of set them back even more. But if they keep Robbie, I don't think they're far off weapons-wise. Where they're far off is with the offensive line. And, yeah, Darnold's mobility, his, uh, especially when they're rolling him out and using him on boots and getting him outside of the pocket, it, it negates some of the offensive line problems, but they still need to improve drastically up front. But again, if if they keep Robbie and especially if they bring Le- Le'Veon Bell back, 
I, I just think they're one, maybe two receivers away from having an excellent group of weapons for Sam. Should also add that one other thing would be have a head coach that calls plays that are tailored to Sam Darnold's strengths, specifically making sure that he rolls out a lot by design because that's what he does best. Adam Gase hasn't always done that, so I think that would be a big help in building a team around Sam Darnold's strengths as well. That's going to wrap up part one of the mailbag. We'll be back with part two tomorrow. In addition to the pregame report for the Jets season finale for 2019 against the Buffalo Bills at Orchard Park, Chris Nimbley will be here. So will my brother Craig to make his picks. Dr. Stoller will be here as well to talk about the injury report. So we'll have a loaded show as always. In the meantime, make sure you follow Chris on Twitter at CNimbley and at Jets Insider. Read his very big deal work as well as the work of Michael Nania over at JetsInsider.com. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts, you know where to go. It's Turn on the Jets Digital and turnonthejets.com.